Good morning. My name is Sean Hoffbeck. I serve on the leadership team here at Birch Ridge Community Church, and this is an exciting Sunday for us. Um, we have waited for, for months for you to come, Pastor Nate, and so why don't you come up here? Behold the Lamb. <laughs> okay, so I've done it two services in a row. I should probably explain to you. Pastor Randy, on his last Sunday, asked us to intro you that way with Behold the Lamb. And so... You know, I, I, I used to like Randy a lot, actually. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, so full services, two full services. Uh-huh. Um, anybody that leaves, this is on you now moving <laughs> forward, okay? So, no, I'm joking. We, um, it's, been, uh, it's been a couple months since you were here yep. last, and um, you preached, and we voted, and you, you Which drove. is a strange process, by the way. Yeah. Like, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and so tell us about that trip. Like, you guys left, you went back, you heard that we wanted you to come, yeah. and you went back to Colorado, and what was that... What was that transition, that process like? Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, and um, that's where you get to see kind of the rest of the story, I guess, this morning. Um, for us, it was kind of cool because we preached, and then we started driving to Anchorage, and we were outside of, you guys know this about Alaska, there's not cell coverage everywhere, right? Um, and, and so we were driving knowing there's this vote happening, and, and we left that morning after the weekend that we spent with you guys in April. We wanted desperately uh, for you guys to want us here, right? It was one of those things where it, was like, it just felt so right for us. Uh, it was, as I told Sean, when he, we finally got connected, I said, we saw what we needed to see in terms of for us to, to believe that God was calling us here. And uh, we were so grateful for the way all those pieces fit. But we, we left here, and the next Sunday, I had to get up in front of a church that we started seven years ago and tell them that we were leaving, right? Which is not as, nearly as much fun as saying hello to all of you, that saying those goodbyes is, is brutal. But we've gotten to see, um, just you talk about, we just celebrated God's goodness and greatness um, here, but we got to see that happen on the other side at, at Front Range as they've now identified their next pastor and they've done really well through that process. I think for us as a family, we've been more proud of the church we left watching them handle the transition well than maybe at, at any other point in the whole process of, of planting. So g- God is good. And when you're, when you're in his will, you see the way both sides are going to be okay, right? And it's, so for us, we see now two strong churches, and um, we're just excited to see what God's going to do. So. Yeah. And then, so you could have flown to Alaska. You didn't. You guys drove. And, and nobody told people... us we could have flown. <laughs> didn't, maybe didn't realize that was an option. It's a rite of passage. Ah. So many people in here have driven this road multiple times. Yeah. Tell us a story or tell us something that happened along, along the way that, <laughs> that will be memorable for years to come. Memorable for years to come. Let's see. Well, um, probably not just the fact that we saw bears and bison and all those things. That's like, you know, everybody does that. But um, we had a rite of passage on the Alaska Highway um, fairly early on on the Alaska Highway. Julie was driving behind me, and um, I had entrusted my truck to my wife. <laughs> a, a man in his truck and his quad, by the way, loaded in the back of his truck. That's <laughs> true. I, I have, and I might... <laughs> being careful. See, this is helpful. Coaching is helpful. This could keep me out of trouble. I needed you last service. Where were you? (laughs) Um, So I get the walkie-talkie again because there's also not a lot of cell phone reception in Canada, or at least in Western Canada either. And Julie says, what does, um, was it 
engine fail-safe override mean? <laughs> uh, I don't know, but it doesn't sound good. And um, what's <laughs> yeah, I let the button off and then click. <laughs> Um, so my truck and my quad and um, the glass pieces for our uh, coffee tables are sitting in Fort St. John, Canada right now, ready, I hope, maybe this next week or maybe after that, uh, with a new transmission, new transfer case. <laughs> That's that. Yep. Um, <laughs> Uh, and they know they got you, by the way, when you're at the, at the shop there. And our, our shop in Colorado said, yeah, that warranty that you have on your transmission, that's really only good in the United States. So we'll, we'll get there. We'll figure it out. I said, you know, we've got the paperwork in the tr- moving truck. We'll get it unloaded and we'll have another conversation. We'll see how that plays out. Um, but we're, we're excited to, to, to be here. I'm excited to get my truck here. I'm excited that the worst thing that happened was my truck didn't quite make the trip with us. Um, but our kids are smiling. They, um, most of them are. Most of them are. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I should introduce them again. You guys, we met them a little bit last time. But you guys stand up. We should just make sure they know who you guys are. So Emily, 15 years old. Uh, Lauren, 13 years old. Olivia, 11 years old. And my wife, Julie, can also... Yep. And then, so since you've been here, what, how's it been? I mean, it's been just a couple days, but, yeah. but tell us about... Well, it's been this. hot, which was unexpected. This is normal. This okay. is normal. Okay. Good. Year-round, right? Sun all the time. This is good. Yeah, it's good. This is good. Um, I, feel like, I feel like I'm telling all sorts of Julie stories. Um, <laughs> um, so, uh, so Julie, from the time in April, when we realized that we were actually making this move, she had this dream that... Um, we would, at some point in the years that we live in Alaska, that she would sit in her kitchen or be at the kitchen sink and she would look out into the backyard and there would be a moose. <laughs> yeah, and so this was like at some point, um, the night that we got here, uh, we got here and it was 11.30 at night and basically like broad daylight still at that point. Um, I don't know if you guys, have you guys noticed it's kind of weird the way the sun works here? <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Uh, um, but so we are out there and Julie's taking pictures of the backyard just to be able to send back to friends and say, look, we live in Alaska now, isn't it beautiful? And she sees this. And she's texting them at like two o'clock in the morning, right? Is yeah, that... we're also learning that. By the way, you're not on the same time as Eastern time. <laughs> so, <laughs> I called my parents and they were like really groggy trying to figure out what was happening. I'm like, it's like nine, a one in the morning <laughs> or something. Um, but anyway, so, the, so she's taking a picture and she sees this ear kind of flicker and then Mama Moose stands up and then two little calves stand up. It was beautiful. And now Julie needs a bigger dream. <laughs> oh, great. So we are super excited to have you here. So can I pray for you? Would love that. Would yeah. love that. Father, we thank you um, for your dreams and your plans and your vision um, for this church and the way that you have been orchestrating things and working things out. Um, for months and for years, Father. So, Lord, we thank you for bringing Pastor Nate and his family here. Um, May we love them well as you have loved us well. May we encourage them. May we support them. May we be examples of Christ to them and continue to be that to our community as well. Be with him as he preaches this morning. 
May our hearts and our ears be open to what you have for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Sean. Oh, it is good. Oh, it is good to be here. Um, feels like a long time coming. Uh, for us, maybe not quite as long as what it has felt like for you guys. But it is, um, for me, it is such an incredible privilege and an honor. You guys have, as Sean just said in the prayer, though, um, you have loved us so well in this transition. We have gotten uh, notes um, through Facebook and text messages, people praying for us at like incredible moments where in the transition we needed it. We, we showed up, and you guys know this because you did it, um, but we showed up to our home uh, here after many, many days of travel, um, and our kitchen was stocked. Uh, unbelievable. And so we've been able to, to cook meal, have home-cooked meals after eating out of gas stations for days on end, uh, being able to like, be able to put things on the grill and be able to, to, to enjoy kind of like life in Alaska right out of the gate. You guys have um, been incredible. We are so grateful for the way you have welcomed us into the community, and we're so excited um, to become friends with you. Uh, for some of you, we've gotten to know you a little bit. Uh, we are looking forward to um, the way our family operates, the way we lead, the way we serve as pastors is relationally, and we are excited to get to know you guys, and we look forward to being friends with you guys for years and years to come. So thank you. Um, my kids are still smiling. The second row is still happy, so this is good. This is good. Um, so I just talked a little bit about our journey on the Alaska Highway. We had a plan uh, for the way that trip was going to go, and it turned out to be not exactly in our plans for day one on the Alaska Highway to lose one of our vehicles. Um, but while I was driving that highway, while we were kind of beginning this journey, I was thinking about this moment as a, as a church, right? So it's like, it's this kind of like all the stuff that goes with the transition, leaving behind a church and, and all the, the friendships and all those kinds of things that, that we were leaving when we left Colorado. And it, the drive was beautiful because, not just because of the scenery, I and mean, it did, by the way, continue to get more and more beautiful the closer we got to Alaska, which was a great sign for us and for our kids. Um, but it was this, this realization that there's just some time to think, some time to listen, some windshield time with God, uh, driving and driving and driving and driving. Um, but thinking about the process, thinking about this moment for us as a family, this moment for Bertridge as a church, saying, who are we? Right? What is it that we're called to? What is it that, that moving forward, what is Bertridge going to be like? What is it going to feel like as we, as we move forward? What are the things that, that are really going to matter, that we're really going to lean in on? And um, driving the highway and realizing that even that journey itself is in some ways like what we're, the moment that we're in as a church where there's a, like three options when you're getting ready to do a journey like what we just did. The first is um, we could set out on a 3,600-mile road trip with sometimes 500 miles between any kind of meaningful town, right? It's like you got to figure this out. And um, you could set out and you could listen to the people who have done the journey before right? That's an option, by the way. This is like, because you guys gave us advice. We got links and people were telling us things and saying, remember to do this. Don't make the same mistakes we made. Don't do this. And, um, you know, make sure your transmission doesn't fail on your truck. Would have been a really, uh, by the way, next time, let's make sure people know, like, that can happen. Um, but, um, so, like, you can listen to people who have gone before, learn from others that have gone on the journey. There's, there's the option that you could, um, Maybe just like spend weeks and weeks and weeks figuring out exactly what it's going to be like all by yourself. So zooming in on Google Maps and, and trying to research things and trying to figure it out and kind of like saying, I will figure this thing out. I will wrestle this thing down. I will solve this problem myself. Um, or there might be some of us who would approach 
that kind of journey and just say, I'm just going to wing it, right? What's the worst that could happen? I'm guessing in this room there's probably at least a handful of us um, that would do that where it's like, let's just figure it out as we go. And if we run out of gas partway, we run out of gas, we'll we'll just kind of like keep winging and it's going to be fine. We are in the moment kind of like the start of a journey, right? Doesn't it feel that way? As you're talking about a new beginning, you're talking about this, 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 what I hope is years of our lives together. We say, what's it going to look like? And so for us, we're going to spend some time this morning in, in Galatians chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at the story of, and really not just a story, but the, the insights of a church that has gone before us, a church that, that was a special church that, that the Apostle Paul cared deeply about, that, that had incredible potential for disciple-making in its community, to, to, to think about what that context and what that environment would look like for a church to, to, to be a place that God could use to radically transform lives. And so we could set out on this journey as Bertridge Church and we could say, look, we're going to like ignore the, the wisdom of those who have gone behind us. We're just going to like self-serve. We're going to figure it out ourselves, wrestle this thing down ourselves. Uh, or we could wing it, which is not my personality type, to, especially in this environment. We're not going to do it that way. And so the, the opportunity that we have is to say, let's learn from those other like, special churches, those other churches that God has used in powerful, powerful kinds of ways for years and years and years to, to transform their communities, to, to transform the people who are part of it. And so Galatians chapter 6 um, is a really great kind of, uh, there's a tension in this passage that we're going to be spending time in where, where Paul seems to be talking about individual responsibility. He seems to be talking about the actions that individuals would make. He starts talking about, as it, as the, as it really starts in the beginning or in the middle of, of chapter 5, this arc of scripture that we're going to be spending time in, that, that it, it, st- it sounds like Paul is just talking about this kind of like solo mission. This is how you make sure you're okay, right? These are the kinds of decisions that you need to make. This is the way life is supposed to work for, for someone who's trying to figure it all out. And he talks in the, from like 5.13 to, to 6.6, 6, there's, there's these big moments where, where one big thought is this idea that there are the acts of the flesh, right? And then there's the fruit of the Spirit. There's these acts of the flesh that, that reveal themselves simply by the acts themselves. They're involved with like immediate gratification, saying, this is what I want, and this is what I want in this moment, and that's what I'm going to do. And he says, and then there's this, this fruit of the Spirit, that's a radically different kind of thing where, where, the, where the acts of the flesh are understood simply by their actions, simply understood by the immediate results and the impulses that they, that, they, that they get. And the fruit of the Spirit is a different kind of thing because it actually has to kind of like go through a process and it's revealed by the outcome, right? That it takes some time to get there. And Paul says for individuals, we have to recognize that our choices and our way of living and the decisions that we make are, are really going to fall into one of two camps. You're either going to have these acts of the flesh that, that are carnal, that are, that are just instant gratification. And if you're driven by the flesh, why would you not make decisions based on impulse? He said, or you can live by the Spirit. And you can have the fruit of the Spirit that takes time, that it's like a seed that grows up and then eventually begins to bear fruit. And the, and the outcome and the value of it is, is discovered in the harvest time when the fruit shows up. The difference between impulse and letting it bear fruit. The difference between being revealed by actions and being revealed by outcomes. And the question is how, if we are called as a church, if we're called as individual people that that become a church when we come together as as a Christian community, how is it that we make sure that we're making the right decision? How is it that we make sure that we're, we're living by the Spirit, that we're, that we're actually making the kinds of decisions that, that take us where we really want to go, to, to actually pause and say, where are we headed? What's the framework for making the decision about what I'm going to do tomorrow, or for us as a church, what we're going to do next week, or as we move forward? What is it that we're going to do? What is it that we really, really want? And that's where it becomes culture and not just about an individual, because what Paul is describing is, have we decided 
The question, have we decided what we really want? Have we decided that there is a bullseye, that we're going to focus on this thing, that instead of kind of like running away from different things, that we're going we're to chase after something? And if there's a bullseye, if there's a direction that we're heading, are we making the kinds of decisions that actually get us where we want to go? Right? Basic question of, of life and any kind of navigation thing. It's like, are, do we know where we're headed? And are we making the right kinds of turns? Are we doing the right kinds of things? Are we, are we making the right kinds of choices? Because if we don't, if we don't make that one singular choice, if we don't say in a clarifying kind of way, this is where we're going, then our impulses will drive us. And why wouldn't they? Right? If we don't have a clear, this is the direction, this is where we're heading, then, then, then anything becomes fair game. Why wouldn't it? Right? Where the flesh rules, rules are the only option. Right? There's two ways of organizing a culture, two ways of organizing a church. One is, is dealing with kind of like this, this like whack-a-mole where it's saying that behavior is no good, that behavior is no good, and we're constantly running away from, from something. Or we can trust what God says about transformation. We can trust what God says about what he wants to do in us, and we can chase after something, right? So we can spend our lives running away from things or trying to do behavior modification or playing spiritual whack-a-mole in our lives saying, that no, 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 no. Or we can run towards something that God has promised for us. And we make a decision and then we make decisions that get us there. Transformation over behavior modification. And so we, this is like the, the context, kind of the foundation that Paul is writing from to say that, that there's this Christian community that can help with, with some of this, that, that can guard against self-deception, that can, that can help us figure out how to continue to move forward. And so Paul describing individual choices, talking about this journey that, that we're all on. And he says, but, but the reality is our individual, disor- our individual decisions, our individual choices don't just make us, they eventually make the community that we're a part of as well. Right? So it's not just a question of, of individual responsibility, but it's also a healthy community. And so verse 7 of Galatians chapter 6, Paul writes this, Do not, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So Paul starts in kind of like a word of caution. He says, look, you've just been reading all these things about individual choices. You've been, been reading all these things that, that sound like really bad things, and you might be kind of like doing a scorecard. There's a temptation as you read kind of through chapter 5 and chapter 6, and, and you're like, in the margins of your Bible, like, nope, not doing that, not doing that, not doing that. So, like, on average, I'm doing pretty well. You know, there's a couple things I've let myself off the hook on, but for the most part, like, kind of seems like the balance sheet is in my favor at the moment. And Paul says, so, but don't be deceived, right? We have this way of, of deceiving ourselves, this self-deception that says, really, like, that's, that's other people, that's other people that fall into those traps. I'm, for the most part, doing pretty well. And Paul says, don't be deceived. God is not fooled. Even if we fool ourselves, God is not going to be fooled. A man reaps what he sows, right? That, that there's, this, there's this reality that if, if you want something, right? We talk about the, the, the main decision of our lives, the, the direction that our lives are heading the, as a church, where we're heading as a church. If we want a certain outcome, the, the time to make the decision about that outcome is not at the reaping time, right? It's not at harvest. It's, it's when the sowing is happening. It's when the cultivating is happening. It's saying, are we actually heading in the direction that God is calling us to head? Right? Because to, to reap something different than you expect is, is insanity, than what you've sown is insanity. It's not going to happen. 
And so the time to make a decision is, is not at harvest, and it's not saying, well, I'm so frustrated that I didn't get what I, what I thought we were going to get. The, the time to make the decision is during the sowing and during the cultivating. And Paul goes on in, in verse 8 to make it even more clear. He says, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Paul says, look, there's, there's two ways of doing this. Right, this is a binary kind of thing. It's, it's one way or the other. And Paul does such a beautiful job at different points in Scripture saying, look, you've got to make a choice. You've got to make a choice. It's going to be one or the other. But the reality is whatever choice you make will have some sort of fruit that comes from it. You reap what you sow. It's connected. It's congruent. In verse 9, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Um, Paul says, don't grow weary in doing good, which would suggest that it's maybe not a one-time decision, right? That, that maybe things don't just get easier because we made a single choice and that we begin to move forward without any kind of resistance, that, that life just gets easier as we go and, and all the pieces seem to fit together. I don't know if, if any of you have maybe expected that. I don't know if any of us have experienced that. Any kind of like spiritual progress that we make comes typically at a cost, right? That we take a step forward and it's like, where is this coming from? It says, do not grow weary in doing good because this is not just a one-time decision and it may not get easier. That we actually have to make choices this afternoon. That we have to make choices tomorrow morning. We have to make choices when we're sitting across the coffee table from somebody and we're, we're having conversation and we're, we're starting to, to maybe sense that God is taking us in a certain direction to, to lead them in a spiritual conversation of some kind. It's, are we going to do it? Are we going to make those kinds of decisions? Do not grow weary in doing good. Not a one-time decision. It may not get easier. We make choices that reflect and reveal our values. And he says, for at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. That if some of us would like to, and I would be in this camp, that I would like to be in charge of the timing, right? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if we could just like, you know, God, I'm totally willing to go through what you ask me to go through as long as I'm in control of the clock, right? And so it's like, if I, I will not grow weary as long as it's like, maybe like a week, right? It's like if we could just kind of like to I'll totally like dial in for like a set period of time as long as I understand what that's going to look like. But, but the imagery that Paul is leaning on, I think, in this passage is, is the imagery that Jesus often uses and it's really frustrating because he, he uses seed imagery. He talks about the kingdom. He talks about the way that God works through our lives that, that it works like a seed. And I don't think that's just because he was talking to people who understood agrarian culture, who were farmers, or people who understood what, what that looked like. But I think it's like, this is what it's really like. That there is so much, you plant a seed in it, and it's under the surface, and there's so much that's happening in the seed that's, that's invisible, unless, unless you're kind of like knowing what's going on under the surface. That there's so much that's hidden, there's so much that's, that's just happening. And then the seed, if you, you know, Jesus talks about it, like the, the seed, and it has to like crack open, and that's painful. And then eventually that seed begins to, to, to grow roots and it begins to, to grow a stalk and then it becomes this thing that begins to bear fruit and the fruit begins to reveal what that seed was really about to begin with. All right, so Paul seems to be leaning on that imagery saying, look, there's this, there's this, this at the proper time, not our timing, but God's timing, at the, the proper time, at the right moment, that, that the process kind of plays out, that, that this, this, this passage seems to suggest, and I think our lives would seem to play this out, that that it's not just a decision, that it's decisions, that we can't grow weary, that there's a process that we go through, that it's not just a one-time decision. That the seed imagery that Jesus used is consistent with the way we've actually lived our lives. And then, and then Paul says, so he starts the verse with, let us not grow weary in doing good, and he ends it with, 
if we do not give up. It's like, Paul, we get it, I think. At least we like, like literary, from a literary standpoint, we get it. You mean that don't give up, but we have to live lives that are reflective of the reality that we, that we live in. So the temptation to grow weary, the, 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 the reality that we grow weary, and then the temptation to give up. And what Paul is kind of tucking in there, as simple as he's trying to make it, that it's really just a two-step process. It's sowing and it's reaping. What, what Paul is really throwing in in this verse is that it's also a process of cultivating. Right, there's also a process of, of, of going through the, 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 the process of, of from, from seed to harvest. And for us as a church here at Birchridge, we're, we're in a cultivating season. Right, this, this church is not being planted in the same way that the church we left in Colorado. We started with just a handful of us gathered in our living room and, and it kind of like grew into a thing. That happened for Birchridge a long time ago. We're in a season of cultivating, saying, are we getting what we want? Right? Are we heading where we're supposed to be heading? Is this, is this church, and I believe it is, we're, we're on track, and it's going to be a beautiful, if these, are, these are good days. But we have to know where we're heading so we can make good decisions, so we can, we can go about the work of cultivating and making sure this continues to be the kind of community where lives are transformed, where God gets a hold of people, that moves people from death to life, where the lights come on, spiritually speaking, for people, where people learn to, to become disciples and, and follow after Jesus and, and to grow as leaders and can go out and do all sorts of things that they could never have imagined before. That's a process of cultivating because that's also a time where you're making decisions about what you're wanting to reap. And in verse 10, therefore, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Therefore, as we have opportunity, as we find ourselves at the intersection between some need in the world or some need in a person around us and, and the gifting that God has given us or the resources that God has placed in our hands, therefore, when we find ourselves in a moment where God has placed in front of us this, this, this sense that we are called to do something about something, that we do it, right? That, <laughs> this sounds very simple, doesn't it? That, that we'd actually hear God speak or see that God is on the move, and then we would just simply act in obedience to that. It says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people. That, that the, the doing good is, this one, is, is one of the outward expressions of God's transforming work in us, right? That, that what God does in us is for the purpose of not, not just for us, but it's for the purpose of, of allowing us to serve well those around us. That we have this natural bent, this, this fleshly desire for us to take care of ourselves, to make this whole thing about us, that, that the, the desires of the flesh actually can even creep into this, our spiritual lives, and, and we desire to make that naturally our spiritual lives just about us. But there's this doing good call that serves both as the antidote for that inward focus and as the outcome of God's transforming work, at least as one of the outcomes of God's transforming work in us, right? That it's in some ways this, this kind of dual process where it, it kind of like cracks us open and then it also reveals and, and helps us move forward. And then Paul says this, good to all people, which doesn't leave us a whole lot of wiggle room when you think about it. And then he says, especially, especially to those who belong to the family of believers, that there is this special relationship. And this is why, this is why the decision, even for us as a family, to, to come and to listen to what God was saying about a move to Alaska, to make a decision about what that was going to look like, why it mattered, why there was relational components to it, to say, there is this special relationship that we get to have with people that we journey with. Right? That, that as a church, that it's not just about what happens on a Sunday morning. It's not just about the, you know, the, the, the music and the sermon and all those kinds of things. But there is this special call that 2,000 years ago when Paul was talking to the church in Galatia saying, look, this is what the, the, the church culture is supposed to be like. 
that there is a relational, something special relationally between people who are worshiping together, between people who are, who are journeying together, who have made the same kinds of commitments, who are saying, we are in this thing, and we're going to move forward, and we're going we're to trust that, that God is bringing together other people around us, that there is a special kind of responsibility that, that comes with being part of a community. Right, this Christian community that's, that's marked first by us living under the banner of, of Jesus as Lord, to say we're going to place our lives under the lordship of Jesus. But that's not a solo mission, right? That we're part of this community. That as a church, we have this incredible privilege of, of walking together, of journeying together. We don't have to do this thing alone. Maybe for some of us, we felt like we have to do this thing alone. And there's good news this morning is that we're not called to. We're not even supposed to. Right? This is a thing that we get to do together. And so here at Birchridge, as we start this new season, as we start this new season, for us as a family, we're starting this, this kind of like relational reset for us. We left pretty much all of our friends and most of our family behind, right, and came to Alaska, and we're resetting, and this is a fresh start for us, and we're excited to, to, to look at what that looks like. But we have this moment. We have this moment for us as a church, for us as a family, for kind of like all these pieces, as everything's kind of like transition to make a choice, Right, where some things can feel so immediate, where it's like, we got to make a decision, we got to do this thing, and we can react, and we react, and react. Or we can say, what is it? What is it we're chasing? Right? What is it that we really, really want? And so this is the privilege that we have as a church, is to, to wrestle with that kind of question. Say, are we in? Right? Are we willing to, to say, we're going to focus on the thing, we're going to say, what's the bullseye that God has placed before us? And we're going to lean in, we're going to make the kinds of decisions that get us there. And so there's just three very simple things that we're going we're gonna to make as part of our conversation moving forward. The first is, this morning, is that we're, we're going to reap what we sow. We're going to reap what we sow, and this just simply means that we're going we're gonna to choose intentionality over impulse, right? That we're going to choose intentionality over impulse. We're going to actually take on a mentality that says we're going to, we're going to grow as disciples, and then we're going to then, in turn, create an environment. We're going to continue to grow as, as disciples. We're going to build on what God has done. And then we're going to continue to build an environment where, where God gets a hold of people, right? We get to have this privilege as a church of, of, of watching the lights come on, to have a front row seat as, as people become followers of Jesus, right? Where life that hasn't made sense before starts to make sense, right? Where there was no hope, where there's, there's now hope. So we say, how do we get to get in on more of that? Right, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna create an environment where people are introduced to Jesus, and then we're going to help them grow as disciples because we're going to grow as disciples. We're going to continue to move forward on the journey, right, that we will continue to point toward a better way, and we're going to continue to lead others there by living towards that ourselves. And if you're taking notes or if you're kind of writing things down, you can say, like, in my notes I have this in parentheses after this, that, that we will reap what we sow, and then <laughs> we'll also reap what we allow, Right? This is true of a church, this is true of us as individuals, because there's some things that, that exist in our lives that we're allowing to exist in our lives that are either making it really hard for us to make the decision that we're talking about with a bullseye, or it's just creating so much noise and so much junk in our lives that, that almost becomes incompatible, that there's something that we've, that we've allowed in our lives that's, that's keeping us from, from fully realizing what God is trying to do in our lives. It's true of a church, too, and so there might be some things that we're like, it just doesn't fit anymore. I'm going to have to figure out what that actually looks like. This is the process of cultivating. This is the value of, of a healthy, intentional community where people are willing to have hard conversations, where we sit across the table, not out of accusation, not out of, shame, of trying to bring shame, but to say, look, I see this in your life, and man, I could be totally off base, but man, it just seems like that's a thing that's holding you back. I wish, I wish I could help you. I wish you'd let me help you. I wish you'd let me help you find help. 
to, to get over that thing. Right? There's something so powerful. There's something so powerful about, about the kind of community where that kind of conversation can happen, where we're not running around policing each other, but we're cheering each other on and trying to help each other continue to move forward in a healthy kind of way. So we'll reap what we'll sow. We'll also reap what we allow. We must not grow weary. Right? This is the value of community. This is the value of actually doing this thing together, that, that we're in this together, that, that we can encourage each other, that we're not all going to be at the exact same moment, spiritually speaking. We can have somebody ahead of us and somebody behind us, and, and we can be, an, be encouraged by someone while we're encouraging someone else that's, that's kind of come along behind us, and we can, we can do this journey together. We're not going to grow weary because we're not running by ourselves, right? There's almost nothing more exhausting than, than like hard work when you feel like you're by yourself. We're not going to do that. And this is where it's powerful that, that Birchridge has been in a season of discovering spiritual gifts. And it's been incredible. As I've heard from the transition team, heard from the leadership team, how many of you have taken Birchridge up, taken us up now, right? This is fun to be able to say that. Taken us up on an invitation to discover what your spiritual gifts are to discover the way God wired you, to, to discover that actually the, the beautiful thing about spiritual gifts is you can do this not grow weary thing, you can do this spiritual life thing, you can do this invest in your local church, that you can be involved in what God is doing locally, that you can give yourself to a thing and it actually be life-giving, right? That it's like you can hear this thing about an announcement about a, an opportunity to serve and you're like, that's what God wired me for. Right? God actually created me, that he, he, he put me together in a certain way and brought me together in this community so that, so that I could do that. And it may not be true that it's life-giving for everybody else, but it's going to be for me. And so, so we do not grow weary to have a, have a Christian community that actually takes seriously that, that we're wired, that God created us to serve in certain kinds of ways, to grow in certain kinds of ways, and, and to lean into that. That this can actually be life-giving. And the third, we will do good. <laughs> this is congruence. This is congruence between what we believe and what we say we believe and how we actually live. Right? This is congruence between what God is doing in us and what we allow him to do or what we join him, join him in doing through us. We will do good because it's good for us. Right? It teaches us this powerful spiritual lesson that it's actually not all about us. <laughs> you guys know, you know that? It, um, we have such an individual focus on our lives. We're wired to think about our own journey. Right? You take this and you take it in a spiritual sense where we're talking about eternity and we're talking about the way we live and the choices that we make and all these kinds of things. And you take that and we, we kind of maybe know that we're, it's not all about us, but then it becomes like, well, am I doing the right thing? And it becomes maybe even a comparison thing where we're like, well, am I at least doing better than that guy? Right? And there's always that guy that you can always compare yourself to. Or maybe I'm just, I could never be like this other person. I could never be because they're wired differently or whatever. It teaches us doing good, allowing the, 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 the fruit to show up, actually teaches us that it's not about us. It's a, powerful, it's a powerful lesson, a powerful transforming lesson for us because our lives become an expression of God's transforming work in us. That all of a sudden, maybe we move from saying, having conversations or having moments where we're like, oh my goodness, where did that come from, right? And <laughs> whoops, um, to wow, where did that come from? Where did that wisdom that I just shared with somebody, where did that, 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 that the bringing of peace into a relationship that I just would never have done that before? A year ago, that was not how I was. Right? That God's using me to, to help somebody else see him more clearly. Where did that come from? That we get to get this front row seat, not just of other people being transformed, not to be seeing the lights come on for other people, but, but of, the, of the fruit actually showing up in our lives. We get to see it, and those around us get to benefit. So it's good for us, and it's good for others. 
because we get to help fight the noise. This world, this world is full of noise. Have you noticed that? There is so much that would distract us. There's so much that, that when we say, I'm going to make a choice. And maybe for some of us, even this morning, it's like, Nate, I'm having a hard time just because there's, you don't even know what I'm facing. What I've got coming up tomorrow, man, you don't know what this week holds. There is so much that I've got going on that, that it's just this noise in our lives. And, and so for us, as a, as a people who are trying to help other people, it's like, well, how do we help cut through the noise? Right? How do we help cut through what we call the whispers? Right? That, that thing that says, you're not, you're not good enough. Right? God, man, have you, do you remember the, the decisions that you've made, the mistakes that you've made, the, the things that you've done? There's no way. Man, there is no way that God wants to hear from you. There's no way that God, that God cares about you. These whispers. And so when we do well, or when we do good, when we take care of other people, when, when someone gets to see someone who they perceive as being close to God, show them love, it lets them imagine that God might actually be able to love them too. Right? It helps us fight the whispers. And then it helps us, helps us help others fight the desperation that, that leads to impulsive survival decisions, right? You talk about impulse. Sometimes we make impulsive decisions because we're simply trying to survive, right? You can't even imagine trying to make a decision about where do I want my life to go when I don't even know where my next meal is coming from, right? How do I make a decision about the, the, the big questions of my life when, I, when I'm just trying to figure out how I'm going to pay rent this month, right? These kinds of things that, 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 that become these desperate acts that, that force us into a survival mentality to say, when we do good, we don't know what kind of, like, what kind of desperation we're helping someone come out of. So they might be able to imagine that, that, that God is trying to bring them somewhere. And so this is what we do as a church. This is church culture. And now the, the reality is, as I said earlier, you're talking individual choices that create a certain type of community, that create a certain type of community culture. And so what do we do as individuals? We take this list, <laughs> and we take out the we, and in a lot of ways, we just put an I there, right? And I'm going to say it this way, that, that you have to choose what you will sow, right? I have to choose. You have to choose. You have to choose what you're going to sow. You have to choose what you're going to allow, right? That we, in some ways, have a beautiful opportunity here at, the, at, at this new beginning to, to maybe shift mentality just a little bit and say, we're going to take on what we call like a harvester mentality, that we think about the outcomes, that we think about where we're actually heading, we think about what we actually want for our lives. We make a decision and we live towards that thing, to take on a harvester mentality instead of this impulse, instant gratification mentality, to say, I'm going to choose. All right, this would be a great practice this week, by the way, to say, just take the decisions that we're making, saying, is this actually taking me somewhere I want to go? I can't imagine if just these, like, maybe not every decision, but some of the decisions that we're going to get to make this week as we kind of navigate life, that, that we take those and we say, is this taking me somewhere? Is this ta well, it is, but is it taking me somewhere I want to go? Is this taking me somewhere I don't want to go? And just beginning to take, take a, a measure of intentionality in the way that we're making our decisions. You have to choose what you will sow and what you will allow. Uh, you, we, me, I, whatever, um, you must not grow weary. It's the value of community. It's the value of, of leaning on others that are on the journey with us to, to recognize that, that if Paul is speaking against weariness, that that means there is a process, that there's a journey, that there's things that are going to get difficult, that we have to recognize that after we make a decision, I hope we make a decision to say, I'm going to start living towards something, that we have to make then decisions that come after that, right? That the decisions we make tomorrow are 
as important as the decision we're making today. Because we make a decision today, and if we don't follow it up with decision after decision after decision, then we have to just wait for next Sunday to figure out what the decision is we're supposed to make next, right? We recognize the importance of the decisions that come after the big decision. And then we recognize when we say, I will not grow weary. I will not grow weary is that we have to recognize that there's going to be resistance. This is where, in some ways, I almost apologize for this message because the, the reality is we're going to take some steps this week. And when we take spiritual steps, when we begin to make spiritual progress, the, the, the enemy does not like that. Have you noticed this? That when we begin to move forward, maybe for some of us, we've gotten so frustrated by this process because we start to take a step forward and then it's like the noise begins to come up and there's, there's hard decisions or there's stuff that people say to us or stuff that people do to us and it's like, there I'm like now I'm two steps backwards it feels like because life just got so much harder. Paul says, do not grow weary. Do not grow weary. Recognize that, that when we begin to make spiritual progress, there will be resistance. It's not unexpected, but we have to be ready for it. And then you must do good. I must do good. You must do good. Because it's good for us. Right? It's part of the fruit. It's part of the process. And it reveals that our spiritual progress isn't just about us. This is where Paul can look at this church in Galatia and say, you are this little seed of a church and it's a community that, that I think you're going to make a big difference in. But not if it's just about you. Right? Not if it's just about a handful of people in this house trying to figure out how to, how to live well. He says, what would it look like to recognize that, that what God does in you is for the purpose of, of this system, kind of like helping other people see that God can do good in their lives as well. That it reveals that our spiritual progress isn't just about us, that, that this thing that started out as this handful of believers following after Jesus became this global movement that literally transformed the world because it's a system. Because it's not just about one or two people figuring it all out, but to say, how do I allow God to do through me what God's doing in me? How do I act in obedience to what God is doing? And there's this mark of maturity, spiritually speaking, that comes when we begin to realize that, that God drew us to himself, right? That there is a reason that maybe we're here this morning. There's a reason that we started this spiritual journey. There's a reason maybe that we started asking the kinds of questions that, that led us to this point and to this moment. But maturity... Spiritual maturity would, would allow us to see that what brought us here might not be the only thing that God wants to do in us and through us and maybe for us, right? That, that there are things that bring us forward, but we can't be simply satisfied with achieving that one thing. That maturity would say, I'm going to continue to lean and say, God brought me here for a reason. How do I continue to lean in? What's God trying to do next? Because the next step matters and the next step matters and the next step matters. So we move forward towards the bullseye. I'm going to pray. God, thank you for this church. God, thank you for this morning, for this moment that we have to, to pause and make a decision. God, I pray that as we go about this day and as we go about this week, that, that you would give us eyes to see the, the fruit that our lives are bearing. God, maybe for some of us, it's a glimpse into the future. Maybe for some of us, we're already beginning to experience the fruit of some things that um, maybe we wish weren't present in our lives. God, give us the courage to take on a harvester mentality, to, to take you up on the opportunity for a fresh start. And God, for those of us in this room, maybe they're starting to see some fruit that, that's good. God, I pray you'd give us the joy that comes from that. God, that that fruit would not just be for our benefit, that it would be for the benefit of those around us. God, give us courage, give us wisdom, give us discernment. And God, thank you for giving us each other. 
And so we pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of faith, the pioneer who goes before us in all things. Amen.